Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what's on your plate. And one of the ways that dietitians help people learn how to eat correctly is by looking at the plate method. And I know a little bit about the plate method, and I know you do too, Laura, but we have an expert on the plate method with us today, an expert dietitian, Elizabeth Beal, who is joining us. And I'm um, really excited to hear what she has to share. So we'll get to it here just after the break. excited to talk to Elizabeth today. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. So excited. (laughs) So So Elizabeth is a registered dietitian. She has a private practice in the Dayton, Ohio area. She also meets with clients virtually. Her practice focuses on using the plate method to help those get started in breaking free from the diet and transitioning to a more intuitive and mindful approach to eating, which I just love. If you are tired of dieting and always starting over again on Monday, she is your dietitian. Elizabeth also works with athletes and those recovering from eating disorders. Elizabeth graduated from the Ohio State University (laughs) and has been a practicing dietitian for the past five years. For more information, you can check out her website at beilnutrition.com. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am too, because I think we we all know about the MyPlate, and so I'm very interested to see how you're using that, and then I'm very intrigued by the way you're combining it with intuitive eating as well so yeah yeah so I kind of started organically I don't know it was kind of a weird process how I got started using the my plate or the plate method it was just one of those times where I had it was probably one of my very first clients that I had and we just started talking and I was like it was just like one of those moments as a dietitian that you can't put your finger on it but it was like this would be a really good option for you. And then I started seeing like the success that they were having. And then I personally, um, as a, like my own eating habits, I use the plate method. So I was like, this kind of makes sense. And then I was just like using it more and more. And then I just found that people could really utilize this method of like not saying no to any food. You know, you can put any food on that plate watching the portions of those foods if weight management is important to you and then start using that intuitively and now working with more clients with it I'll actually have clients say to me like so I had this moment and I didn't really want you know the the veggies and I was like do I want to eat them or am I just eating them because but I know I have to do on the plate method they're like is that intuitive eating and I was like Yes, like you're asking yourself, like, do you actually want the the vegetables? So I've started to see that, you know, people are able to utilize this as a way to transition into, I think, what a lot of people want to do is just eat intuitively and eat what their body is wanting them to eat like. So um, that's kind of how I got started with it. And like I said, it was just kind of this, it kind of unfolded in a way. And I think approaching it in a way of like, no food is off limit because when the word diet comes in, even though we as dietitians know diet doesn't mean just, you know, negative amount of calories or whatnot, um, the way that we eat, you know, it's just, you know, people can choose whatever food they want to eat. We just need to watch the portion of it on this plate. So yeah, that's kind of my approach with it. So explain to me what you mean by my plate then. 
Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So when I have the plate method, how I describe it with clients is I take my plate um, and if I want to, I'll say like a nine or 10 inch plate. I take half of my plate. I make it produce. Does not have to be fresh. I, you know, encourage the canned foods. I encourage the frozen foods if that's what is the available option for them. Make halving it the produce, taking the other half of my plate and make cutting that in half and making it a starch. Starch doesn't have to be whole grain and then making it a protein. And so I just kind of lay it out that way. And that's for, to get started. But then I always tell individuals, you know, needs vary. I work with athletes and so their plate looks a lot different than that. I work with individuals training, you know, maybe for the first 5k or marathon, that's going to look a lot different. I'm working with people interested in weight management. That's a lot different of a plate. So it's definitely, as we know, like nutrition is so personable and so customizable. So I find that this plate can be the exact same for those needs as well. What I like about the plate is the visual aspect. Everybody is that's how I explain my plate to kids, you know, and most kids don't remember food pyramid like us old ladies do, <laughs> but you know, they, it's, it's so visual and it's so easy to explain to people. Mm-hmm. I do wonder a little bit about, you know, some people thinking, well, but what about calories? And do people, do you find that when you introduce the plate method that still some of that, well, but that's a lot of calories if I have that quarter plate of starch. How do you, how do you approach that? Yeah, that's a good question because, you know, I think our, our society is so focused on those numbers of calories. And I really try when working with my clients, I try saying like, those numbers are not important. Like what's important is fueling our body and eating how our body wants to be fed with a starch, a protein, and a produce. Now, if they're, you know, but it's kind of a situation where if I know they're like diligent calorie counters, you know, maybe it's a situation where I'll be like, let's try the plate method at lunch. And you can count calories at breakfast and dinner if that's what you feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. But at lunch, I don't want you counting calories. And I really want you focusing on making sure that you're eating these sections of the plate. Mm-hmm. And if you're concerned, and you know, this is how I'm kind of talking through, if you're concerned with that, then let's also make sure that, you know, our hands are a really good indicator of our body size. So I'll say, let's, you know, if you want to, if you're feeling tempted to measure or count, use your, you know, the fist of your hand can be the size of your starch serving. Mm-hmm. If you're concerned about your protein serving, using the palm of your hand. If you're concerned about, you know, how many, you know, veggies or produce you're eating, let's use, you know, I kind of do the cups of the two, the two palms there. And so kind of meeting the client where they're at and working with the individual where they're at. So if they're really hung up on the calories, walking them through that, if they're not, and they feel comfortable just doing the plate method, how I describe like half your plate, fruits and vegetables, the other half divide it and you know, the protein and the starch, then we start there. Does that kind of yeah. make sense? Yeah. 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 Yep. It does. I find that I do use that plate method quite a bit with people and I, a lot of people want to come, don't they ask you like all the time for meal plans though? They want to know exactly what to eat and that type of thing. So how do you help give them better visualization of that plate, you know? So I'm pretty honest with my clients in the sense of like, I'll be like, I'm not, like I'm, I do a 15 minute discovery call and I tell them straight up, like I'm not making a meal plan for you. That's not what my role is here. Can I give you meal ideas? 
Yes. Can I give you recipe ideas? Yes. Can I give you inspiration? Sure. Um, but I'm not here to create a meal plan of what you're supposed to eat at every single hour of the day. So I do have a few handouts that I provide them with where I've just gone through and created like a list of protein, a list of starch and a list of all the produce. And now we just match and we kind of pick, you know, pick one from this column, pick one from this column, pick one from this column (laughs) and kind of giving them, you know, the freedom to be able to choose then. And then hopefully, you know, they feel comfortable enough with that. So (laughs) that's kind of how I approach it because that is a very common question I get a lot is, can you make me a meal plan? (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) How have you found this to be beneficial for those with disordered eating? Because you mentioned you use this with disordered eating and I, I have not done enough disordered eating to maybe have the nuances of it, but I know that structure is critical mm-hmm. that's about uh, my extent of knowledge yep. but um how do you deal with that and make that work for your disordered eating clients yeah so i work with um i actually work with work with a private practice counseling um, center out of columbus and we work together with um, eating disorder clients i've worked with anorexia binge eating disorder specifically and structure is key so i know i just said oh i don't do meal plans but when it comes to the eating disorder population like you said amy it is so important to have that structure and you know even if we're doing a small plate and i'm saying just get a carb a starch and a protein on there just so that they can start to kind of see like this is where we're headed and i'm very honest like i said with my clients like this is where we're headed towards of eventually normalized portions for you but this is where we're going to start and so kind of letting them see that and you know understand like this is where we're going right from the beginning helps them so that they're not immediately kind of coming back at me and saying like, well, I can't eat this or I can't do this. And it's immediately like, no, we're just going to try it. Even if it's two bites of the rice on there, we're going to at least try it to have that structure. And, you know, that's a conversation that I have with them specifically like the anorexia population, like working with, you know, food and making sure that we're having like a very, uh, like structured meal plan, but having those plate method meals at breakfast, lunch, and dinner for them. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Like I said, um, I'm honest with my clients. Like I tell them, like it, I've I've told people this is my approach to it, and if you don't feel comfortable with it, that's okay. And I like to reiterate that, like this method might not be for everybody. You know, just mm-hmm. like other, like it might not be for you, and that's completely fine. You know, I just promote it because I find that it's been helpful for people. Mm-hmm. But if it's not for you, then it's not for you, and that's okay. And so I just want people to know that you don't have to eat like this. There's no one right way to eat. Mm-hmm. There's multiple ways to eat. But this mm-hmm. is one that maybe if you're just, like, really tired of not knowing what to eat or you're tired of dieting or you're tired of, you know, just, oh, my gosh, I don't even – I'm just sick of all this food talk and nutrition talk. What do I do? Right. The expert guide towards this direction. Well, I think it's interesting because I think most of us dietitians, that's generally just automatically how we do focus on eating or meal planning. I always plan a meal and I plan for the protein, the starch, the the vegetables or produce. I I like how you say that, produce. Uh, So, you know, I think that 
we do that individually for ourselves when mm-hmm. as a dietitian and I try to share that with my clients, but I like it. It's just a very simple approach to uh, that structure that most of us need and, mm-hmm. and, and kind of crave and want, even if we're not meal planners. At least I tell my clients in the moment, you can just think about that plate and think about when you're ordering your food, okay, I want to order something that has protein, you know, starch and produce. So what on this menu will help me achieve that? Because a lot of restaurant meals don't include the produce. (laughs) They, you know, and so having them say, well, you know, you might at a restaurant have to add a side salad or add some sort of vegetable on the side in order to see that plate come together. And I, working with some of my older clients, you know, they'll mention like, oh, that's how my mom used to cook, you know, or something <laughs> like that. And I'm like, exactly. Like, that's all we're doing. It's not, you know, it's nothing like crazy. Like, you have to fast from this time to this time and make sure you take this tea and drink this detox, whatever. Right. Like, it's not that. Like, it's yeah. a simple approach to food. And for some individuals, it's very hard sometimes to be like, are you sure? Like, I feel like that's like the look I get. Like, this is, this is what I have to do. And I'm like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I like, Laura, how you were mentioning the eating out because that's something I talk a lot about. So for example, I'll tell this to clients, like the Cheesecake Factory, for example, (laughs) goodness love them. Um, They, you know, they try with the plate method. They have like a dish on there. That's like the chicken, the mashed potatoes Mm -hmm. and the green peas. And so I tell my clients like, you know, this is a great example here. They offer this to you, but they bring it out and it's on, you know, a literal 22 inch plate and you can eat like five servings off of that. And then I kind of approach them like, do you think that's the plate method? Well, no, you know, the plate's eating off of that nine or 10 inch plate. So I walk them through then like, okay, let's ask for a side plate and then let's take that plate and pull out those portions like we've talked about and put it on that plate and see, you know, you might have leftovers. And I said, I've done this before and I have like leftovers for like three days because those portions. So if they're interested in that weight management side of things. So you definitely, when working with the plate, you, of course, there's going to be some things that aren't like super easy. You just kind of have to talk through it with the individual. So yeah, for sure. How about those combination foods? I think about how do you teach clients? I mean, I think, you know, pizza maybe isn't as difficult because you can throw a salad on the side of it. Mm-hmm. But let's say they are at a, like a fast food restaurant and the options are sandwiches and fries. What, what do you, how do you teach that with combinations? Yeah, so combination foods, I think when it's very simple, like, like we've been talking about, like the simple, easy protein, starch, produce, like that is very simple. But when we're getting into those combination foods, that's when I kind of start seeing like deer in the headlights with people. Like, how do you eat this? And I, if you need to eat fast food, you need to eat fast food because it might be a busy night. I'm not saying you can't do that, but with the plate method. Okay. So this is going to be my one thing. Fast food nowadays are going towards healthier options so there is probably a healthier you know Mm -hmm. option there that you can choose if you want the sandwich ask for the side salad and then you have your sandwich which has the starch you have the burger let's say it's the burger you have your protein choose the side salad you know if you don't have that option to have the side salad and you just have the option of the fries then 
bring that meal home, sit it on a plate if you can, and then kind of portion it out of what kind of would look like that plate method meal, and then maybe add some uh, a piece of fruit later. But if you are, you know, don't have that option, that's when I say if you don't have one of those like starch protein produce, that's when a snack can be really helpful because if you don't have that produce then, Maybe in a few hours you're hungry, but you didn't have produce at your lunch. Maybe have, you know, a packed apple or something and eat it there. So at least you're getting that that produce at that time. So how do you establish snack time? We talked a lot about on this podcast about snacking and, and many people feel like they have to be good at snack time and just eat a piece of fruit or just have baby carrots and then they wonder why they're you know, so hungry an hour later, how can we utilize the plate method for snacks? Mm -hmm. So like I mentioned, like if you're not hitting one of those sections on the plate, then that's a great time to incorporate it onto the snack, but then pairing it with something that's going to give you satiety. Because I see, like you said, so many times you can be like, oh, I just ate an apple, but then I'm super hungry and I'm nighttime snacking. And so that's when I say, okay, well, let's try a fat or a protein with that, you know, and I like to call them I'm such a dork when it comes to this. I like calling my power-up snacks. And I'm like, okay, we can have your protein and we can have your starch. And so that's two components of the plate method because maybe we're choosing a produce item as well. As we know, like that falls under like the, the carbohydrate. So I do try to make sure that they're getting like that carb and that protein. But I also have something called my level-up snacks um, because not everyone wants to always eat an apple and peanut butter. Like, Sure, that's fine, but sometimes you don't want to eat that. Maybe you do want to eat a cookie. And so I tell them, if you want to eat the cookie, eat the cookie. This isn't part of that intuitive eating. Like, if a cookie sounds good, eat it. But how can we make it so that you're not, like, super hungry? Pair it with a yogurt. Try it that way. Or, you know, if you're craving chips, maybe eat um, a handful of nuts with it. Just to make sure that we are listening to our bodies and our needs and not always trying to be perfect with the plate method. Mm -hmm. Because with anything, if you start being to become obsessive with it, then that just, that defeats the purpose of what this, this purpose of the plate method is supposed to be. Yep. Yep. Do you have any special advice for athletes who might be interested in using the plate method for training or even I've seen like the, the U S Olympic committee, I think has their athletes day training plates, easy, medium, hard or whatever. Do you use something similar? Yep, I use pretty much the exact same thing because, and I really walk through the athlete. Um, typically, when I'm working with clients, they're coming to me and they're like, "Hey, I'm training for this marathon. How should I feel?" You know, so it's very specific. Or I actually work with UD, um, the women's basketball team, and cheerleading. So it's like very specific needs coming into that. So I'm like, okay, here's the plate, and I take basically the plate, and we go through their training schedule. And on, you know, days that they're resting, we basically use the, the plate method like we've been talking about here. Moderate days, I typically say, let's make, um, instead of halves everywhere, let's do thirds of your plate. And then of uh, a produce protein starch. And then on your really heavy, you know, maybe two-a-days or days that you're training or your long runs, um, that's when we're going to basically flip that entire plate and make half of your plate starch, make other half of your plate the veggies and the protein. And then I always, you know, get people saying, well, isn't our fruits and vegetables super important? Yes, but they're, as an athlete, they're not, you know, calorie dense, and that's what we're needing. Are they super important for vitamins and minerals? Of course. Um, 
but we really need to focus on making sure you get through that workout and peppers and apples are not going to do that versus, you know, starch of like potatoes and pasta and rice and, you know, bread. So having that conversation with them and really, and that's where my practice, I like really try to understand like, what are your exact needs and what are you, what are your long-term goals? Because that's super important. If I have someone saying, you know, I'm trying to lose weight, but at the same time, I want to really run a half marathon. How do I work on this? And that's kind of where, you know, the plate method can be customizable in that sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have a question because I grew up as a daughter of parents who were all about the clean plate club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have a really hard time of leaving food on the plate. Kind of, can you talk about how you walk through that with some of your clients? That because mm-hmm. when you're talking about that, that's the way you want your plate to look. We're mm-hmm. not saying you have to eat the whole plate, though. Right. Right, exactly. So that's where kind of that intuitive eating comes into play. And I tell them, again, like I'm very honest. I say, you know, at first you're going to want to eat everything off of that plate because you think, okay, I have to get everything checked like, and move on you know, to the next thing. And that's fine. But eventually let's get to a place where you're actually asking yourself, am I full? Am I hungry? Like listening to those cues. And A lot of times that's really hard for individuals because I've worked with clients where they haven't felt hunger in years and they just don't even know what that's like. And so that's a whole other, you know, topic that we'd have to go down, you know, understanding that, but working through with them and really, you know, asking like, are you eating because you're trying to check the box that you ate the plate method or are you eating because you're physically hungry? Um, And that just takes from my side of things, like working with them, understanding kind of what they're doing. But I do find that a lot of people, once they start eating this way, they just naturally kind of fall into the flow of like, okay, well, I'm, I'm full. Like I'm full now. I don't need to eat anymore. I don't need to go back for seconds. And if I do, you know, this is how I approach it. So it's kind of a, it's a crazy thing that kind of happens on its own, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, it does need a little bit of guidance. So have a little faith. Yeah. Have a little faith in it that when you're, cause I think when you are eating balance like that, then it, it it does help with that satiety and, and, and that feeling of fullness. And so it gets to the point where it's a little easier to say, yeah, I'm starting to feel full and, then we have to just teach ourselves to leave a little on the plate and that's okay. <laughs> and that's okay. That's the concept of that a lot of people struggle with. Mm-hmm. And until I went into private practice, I didn't realize that struggle uh, that, that people deal with. So that's, that's been eye opening and rewarding at the same time because I'm learning, you know, habits, eating habits of people. Yeah. 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 Sure. How can this work for people with, for example, like special health conditions like diabetes. I think about, you know, we teach carb counting and, and I can see how this sort of falls in line with some carb counting. And I know there is a specific, I believe, plate for diabetes that maybe, I don't know if ADA put it out or who put it out, but mm-hmm. how can you make this work for people who are watching blood sugars? Yeah. So this is, I think when, even in my internship, I was learn. I did a whole rotation on diabetes clinic and we were teaching this plate method there and you know with someone with diabetes especially if they're newly diagnosed or if they're trying to get their blood 
um, sugars under control, you really have to count those carbohydrates just to make sure that you are getting the correct amount. So this is probably the only time that I would say with some working with someone like this, like we need to your, count your carbs here and then kind of just look at the rest of your plate in that sense. And I would also be, you know, more weary. I know I use the term produce and that's for um, starch or for um, fruits and vegetables. But for someone with diabetes, that fruit will spike your blood sugar. So I would work with them in making sure that, okay, or is every meal you're having, you know, an apple with it plus you know, a starch, okay, we might need to change some things around here and maybe look for more vegetables on this side of things or, you know, kind of change it to make sure that we're hitting those grams of carbs at each meal. How do beverages fit into the plate? You know, I think so much of we're, we think about what's on the plate, but what's in the glass? That's a good one, Amy. I like that. What's in the glass? Yeah. So, you know, that's, a. I get the question about like, what about alcohol? Like, how does that fit in? And, you know, I, it's like my fallback, but, you know, I tell my clients like, okay, that's where you have to be mindful, like in that situation. Is this a celebration and they're having champagne and you want to enjoy it? Yes. Like, go ahead and enjoy that. And this will teach you in that moment that you can enjoy it. You don't have to overindulge in it. Um, when we're going through, and personally, what I work with is, you know, I go through fluids. Like, what fluids are we drinking here? And then I'm very honest with them. You know, if I'm seeing a bunch of juice or I'm seeing a bunch of, you know, added sugar beverages, we kind of talk through that. And this is not maybe where the plate comes in, but it's more or less just your, like, traditional nutrition counseling where we kind of talk about, like, okay, what are these beverages providing you? Why are you consuming these? And kind of walking through that and then setting goals of like, okay, for example, maybe you're drinking two regular diets or regular pops a day. Let's maybe cut that down to one and kind of walking through it that way with them. So that's kind of how I approach beverages because that's a good question. Is there research behind the plate method? I've, I've got to think it had to have hmm. some sort of basis in the literature has there been studies that show because you know I think you probably felt this I feel this mm -hmm. this is the reason I, I actually don't like working with weight management people want results mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they'll want to know you know what does the research say that I'm going to lose this x number of pounds by doing mm -hmm. this uh, yeah. versus a traditional calorie counting diet yeah so there really isn't much research the only research I've really read about the plate was the diameter of the plate and setting up, you know, people at a buffet, which I'm sure you've heard that before, yes. where set up, you know, the two plates, different diameter sizes go up to the buffet. But other than that, there really isn't much research behind it. And so, but this is the thing, I know I keep saying this, but I'm honest with them. And I kind of say like, my approach is not calorie counting. If that's yours, then let's talk through that. And why is it calorie counting? You know, I'm not going to say don't calorie count, but I'm at the same time, I'm going to really try to gear towards that intuitive eating approach. Mm -hmm. So like I gave the example earlier, like counting your calories at breakfast and dinner, and then, you know, eating a plate method meal at lunch and kind of like working them towards that. And in working with my clients, I feel a lot of them, like I'm on my website, I say, like, this is my approach to eating. This is my philosophy of food. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of know coming into it, the philosophy that I'm already trying. I'm not trying to, like, sell myself as, like, a quick diet fix. Like, that is not my approach to it. 
So I think kind of going into it, they already know. And that's why I've kind of transitioned out of the weight management side of things and more or less working with this with individuals like athletes and those who have eating disorders um, because I find that this can be helpful for that population of people. But if weight management is important to you, and I have some clients that are weight management, you know, but they're using the plate and they know that I guess we've had the conversation of this is going to take some time to lose the weight and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like we've come to that agreement. Like they're not like one, like at me, like you told me that I was going to lose 20 pounds in a year, you know, like they kind of know my approach with it. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Good? It does. I okay. work with a lot of weight management clients myself as well. And I feel like I have those conversations a lot. And I think that for, I'd say, a good percent of the people that I work with, calorie counting only leads to frustrations. And I, I, I have had a handful of clients who just kind of get addicted to it in a good way and they are fine with it and they do it for a long period of time. You know, good for them, great for them. I I think that for the most part though people fall off and they get tired of counting calories and maybe it doesn't become necessary after a while even really but generally speaking it's it's still even when I'm counting calories or having somebody count calories I we still have to be working on the plate and and the plate method and so I'm still getting them to think about that balance to what they're eating because you can count calories till the cows come home, but if you're not balancing what you're eating, you're not going to feel good. You're not going to feel, and you're not going to fuel your body properly. So I have a hard time because I, I am very much like, okay, I want to work with my clients and meet them where they are. But I find myself doing the same thing you were just saying, like trying to steer them away from calorie counting because in the long run, it's, it's like a keto diet in the long run. We're just not going to do it for a long period of time. And so what are you learning here that's going to help you in the future? Because if you do have success and you do lose weight, and with me too, I tell them and set up real, realistic expectations. It's only going to be maybe a pound a week, maybe a half a pound a week. And that's okay because if you're following this method, you're going to maintain it indefinitely versus if you're just doing it for the quick fix you're not going to be learning anything and fixing anything in the long run exactly and that's why i find a lot of people do come to me because they're older and they're like i'm just tired of counting calories and i've been doing it for 10 years and i or points Mm -hmm. or you know measuring and they're like i'm just tired of it so i think that just my approach has weeded out those people of like wanting the specifics of like, I need to lose weight by this time or, you know, that sort of thing. And the other thing is like, I kind of have like a heart to heart with them. Like, mm-hmm. are we really going to let these numbers, because I'm a right. big about numbers, like the scale numbers and, mm-hmm. you know, the calorie numbers, like, are we going to really let those numbers dictate our life? Right. Like that's kind of, you know, kind of like not healthy. Like that is not a healthy mm-hmm. relationship to have and there I'm always like there's so many more numbers in our body on the food label like there's so many more numbers I mean for some reason just concentrate on calories and weight (laughs) and so um I really kind of have that heart to heart with them and um hopefully they start to see you know 
the method yep. <laughs> behind it. <laughs> yep. Okay. We've mentioned intuitive eating a few times on the, the podcast, and I don't, I, I think we've talked little bits, that, Laura, maybe through episodes about intuitive eating, mm-hmm. but I know that there's been a very popular trainer that's been on television, mm-hmm. on shows, who's really kind of going off on this intuitive eating spin, which mm-hmm. makes me angry because <laughs> of the, the show that she was on. Uh, mm-hmm. And can you tell our listeners a little bit more about intuitive eating? I know that Evelyn Triboli and Elise Rush put out the fourth. Yeah, well, yeah. they also put out their their fourth. Did you see the fourth edition? Yes, the fourth the edition just came. I, I have. I just got it. I've not read it. Um, yeah. fully revised and updated. I always love those words. I'm very excited about it. So, to my tell our listeners about those. Yeah. So, intuitive eating. I think, uh, like they they started this kind of coined term in 1995. So it's been around for like mm-hmm. quite some time. And it's a really hard process to master. And speaking from my own personal like experience with it, it probably took me personally like three solid years to actually eat intuitively. And probably in that last year. So I used it myself. So when I'm working with clients, I obviously don't disclose that I'm doing this. I'm very like, per- like I don't talk about, you know, my own personal eating, but I just feel like I have some empathy, I guess, towards it because I kind of know what they're going through. And I kind of talk to them about, you know, how this approach can be helpful for them and that it's going to be a process because it's not like one day you're eating like this and then snap the next day you're intuitive eating. Like yeah. that, that's not it. Right. <laughs> that's where the whole workbook that you work through it. And I recommended, you know, instead of, you know, a lot of times like we'll talk through intuitive eating practices, but I'm always encouraging getting their book, going through their workbook, listening to, um, there's a podcast out there too that they can listen to like, and supplementing it. There's a really great book called body kindness. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one. Mm-hmm. written by an RD, like supplementing it with that as well, because it's so much more than just saying, I'm eating intuitively. You know, it has to really be something that you uh, approach knowing that's going to be long-term. And so that's kind of my approach with it with my clients. And there's actually one individual that I've worked with for probably now two, it'll be almost two years. And we're like, getting there so it just goes to show like it's like a process with it so it's not something easy so yeah yeah Um, for sure intuitive eating involves I think more body trust than most people have and I I remember reading intuitive eating years and years and years ago the first the first time I read the book you know because people when they feel like they're told they can eat things that they've been restricting for so long that this is all they will eat Mm-hmm. They will only eat cookies now for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the case at all. It involves a lot more trust than mm-hmm. most people are willing to give themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that starts to kind of go back into, you know, my world of like eating disorders. Like I'll work with clients who think they'll eat a food and they'll gain weight immediately from like eating that food and walking them through that process of like trusting your body. Like your body knows what to do with the energy that you're providing it. It's sole purpose. Food's sole purpose is not weight gain. And I think that's a misconception that diet culture and society have led us to believe. And so kind of working, you know, with them through that and just kind of working with them and 
you know, as you know, Laura, like in a private practice, it's kind of like guided and you just kind of like go with it. And then you kind of, as a dietitian, I just kind of like say little excerpts <laughs> in it and yep. hope that they hear those things <laughs> yep. on it. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot more than what that person recently made comments about. And I can't even listen to that clip because it just makes me frustrated <laughs> yeah. okay i haven't heard this clip so i don't know what you guys are talking about so there, I, there's, a, there's a popular show of yeah. where people lose weight really quickly yes i, I understand <laughs> i think what we're talking about i just for some reason somehow i missed this so yeah. i think i think also people with intuitive eating is really tough because it's a tough sell because people do want results and I find at least when I'm talking to clients about intuitive eating, they say, yeah, that's great. How much weight am I going to lose? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's lovely that you're, that sounds wonderful. And mm-hmm. it sounds idealized and romanticized. And, and even that concept of what we like to say, normal eating, it's, it's tough. It's a tough sell because people want the pounds lost. And right. if they don't see that, they think, well, this isn't working for me. Right. Not realizing that intuitive eating, if you're, Doing intuitive eating to lose weight, you're doing it for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. That's what I try to tell people. This isn't about losing weight. This is about healing a relationship with food that's probably broken. Right. And because and and, and if, that's got to be a part of the step and a part of the process if eventually you are going to lose weight. It, so it, it's kind of like this, you know, back and forth where, you, okay, I need to focus on that but that's not what I care about right now and so we we it's finding that realization that you're going to continue to cycle in this weight thing unless you can start realizing that it's a whole relationship with food that we're talking about here and once you have a better relationship then you're able to get better control and get to the point where if you're really listening to your body and trusting your body and, you know, letting go of those things that you think this is the way it should be and letting things happen organically, I think eventually it helps a lot to make that peace and find the weight that works for you. Right. Yeah, and it's having that honest conversation with and saying, like, okay, there's two things going on here. There's weight loss and then you want intuitive eating. Which one's more important to you? Because if you're over in this weight loss camp, then this is not going to work because we can't, we, I can't help you right now. And I say that, you know, and I'm very, like I said, I'm very honest. Like I can't help you. And people say, okay, that's fine. You know, and then I lose them quote unquote as a client, but like that doesn't, you know, they're not ready for that approach. Exactly. And that's okay. There's no, I'm not trying to force people to, do intuitive eating for this. Um, But on, you know, when I do have those people that say I'm ready to just work on this intuitive eating and trust my body and trust food and understand that this is going to be a process. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like, and then the weight loss will hopefully come for them, Mm -hmm. but they have to heal that relationship with food or else there is not going to be any connection and it's still just going to be diet. Right. Right. One, one of the statements this always makes me cringe, and I hear this a lot from patients, and I'm sure you do too. Oh, I can't keep that in the house. Mm. I can't keep chips in the house. I can't keep those things in the house. And my question is always, why? Right. Why can't you keep those things in the house? Because right. you should 
we hope, be able to get to a point where you can keep tempting foods in the house without feeling like you're going to overdo it. (laughs) And the way that you do that is by allowing yourself, it's so counterintuitive, by allowing yourself unconditional permission, that's that whole concept of intuitive, the unconditional permission to eat those foods in the amount that you want, you will eventually lose their appeal. Mm -hmm. They really do. And I think that that comes back down to, though, the plate method. And so if you've got a good relationship and you've established that you should be eating, we all should be eating according to the plate method, then those foods are kept better in their place. And that's what people don't understand is it, 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 it's easier to keep that food in the house and not have a horrible, like, that's all I can focus on and that's all I can eat when you realize that you also need to eat the plate too. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And whenever I hear like Amy, whenever I hear a client say that, I'm like automatically like circling it, like in our assessment that I'm doing. And I'm like, you know, and especially with my binge eating individuals, like we, that's part of, you know, the process of binge eating, we conquer those foods and we, you know, have them in the house. And of course we have like a process for them. And I, I, I almost like the challenge when clients say that because I'm like, okay, well, this is how we're going to approach it, you know, and maybe it's because you can't have pizza. So let's start out with, or bagels. So let's start out with this food that you feel safe with. And then we just increase it until we can have the bagel and we can have the bagel in the house. And like you said, Laura, then we just transition that to using it on the plate then, you know, Mm -hmm. eventually. So it's a process and, you know, that is a process. Like that is not like just like a 30 minute session that you can have with someone mm-hmm. and people sometimes aren't willing to put that in and that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. but when I get those clients that are wanting to put it in and form that better relationship with food, it just makes me so happy because that's kind of not a bit sappy, but that's like one of the reasons why I went into the field of dietetics was help people to like, you know, heal that relationship with food. That's so broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Take us home, Amy. <laughs> yeah, I, I truly appreciate everything that you're doing, Elizabeth. And I also love yes. that you're so young and like, you know, I'm, you're not jaded like I am. <laughs> and, and I just, I love your attitude. I love your energy. And I feel like, you know, as I get old and Laura gets old, that the practice of dietetics will be in great hands with young dietitians. Absolutely. So that's very I, I do encourage you to check out Elizabeth's website. Again, that's Beal Nutrition, B-E-I-L, nutrition.com. You can also check her out on Instagram. If you go to her website, there's links there. But she posts very frequently on Instagram, and she's very inspiring. So if that's your jam to follow somebody on social media, I highly encourage you to follow Elizabeth there. We look forward to show ideas. If you want to hear more about any topic, You can go to our website at www.secretliferd.com. You can email us at dish at secretliferd.com. You can visit us on Twitter at at tdietitians or on Instagram at the Secret Life Dietitians. And again, thank you, Elizabeth, for being with us today. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. Yeah. Thank you. We'll have to have you back. Yep. All right. We will see you um, next time wherever you podcast. Bye.